Good to have you here. It is three and out. Kevin Thomas, he has been Troop. Glad you're making us a part of your day. Catch up with us all across the radio network. Streaming live, ESPNCoastal.com. You can find us there, the ESPN app. Or you can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Go to our YouTube page, ESPN Coastal, there on YouTube. And you can catch uh, everything uh, from three and out second down, and more. So we encourage you to do that. Good to have you along here on the show. We've got a lot to get to uh, here throughout the show. Big 12 Media Days going on, kind of getting this thing kicked off. It's been interesting to kind of see how it's been framed. Mike Gundy saying some stuff. We'll have that uh, coming up in just a little bit. Also, the SEC going to get together. I think that really kind of kicks things off for uh, for people, Ben, uh, next week with with the SEC. But we'll get to that. Chris Gordy of the Locked on SEC podcast will join us and more, and of course, the Braves and the Nationals heading into the All-Star break, uh, where, again, Braves with a chance to, I guess, get it back together before they uh, they enter the All-Star break after a tough series with the Mets. And, Kevin, that's what you expect, right? I mean, <clears throat> the Nats, I mean, this hasn't been their year this year. Somebody got to be a bottom feeder in the, in the NL East. But I do think this Braves team, you still could take a lot of positives, uh, Kevin, out of that Mets series, look, the Mets coming in, they have blown a 10-and-a-half game lead. So they was coming in very, very determined to be able to say, look, let's see how we match up against this Braves team. I know this isn't going to decide the division, uh, you know, uh, this, uh, what, mid-July. But I do think the Braves are going to bounce back. I, I know that the, the star power is starting to come together. Kevin, you mentioned the only runs that came came from homers. But you'll take it how you can get it, Rosario. Uh, it's kind of settling in a little bit, coming, you know, uh, not too many uh, weeks removed from coming off an injury. Like I said, help is on the way. I mean, Jansen still did look good, you know, uh, you know, uh, with him coming back and coming off that 15-day uh, uh, DL, and you, you're going to get uh, Ozzy back. But this is about the Braves going back to their winning ways. One, lost one, 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 lost one. They up, the, they up the win again. And I do think that Kevin D, that winning streak that happened in June, it was just so incredible to do. Can they keep that momentum throughout July? Because, hey, I will say this. The All-Star, the All-Star game is coming at the right time. It is star-studded, but there is one just big-time player that's not in it. First name Austin, last name Riley. Listen, fans, what do you want? <laughs> like, literally, like, what do you want? Because, Kevin, I know I know, I know, know people are going to talk about uh, Matt Oates. I know people are going to talk about Freddie Freeman. But last time I checked, Austin Riley was coming off an MVP type season, and they were saying, "Hey, uh, how is he gonna? What's gonna be encore twenty five homers before the All Star break?" That, and and that's before we even get in this series. But uh, I do expect the Braves to get back to their winning ways. Yeah, absolutely. I, I look, and you're going up against the last place team. I, I think that's uh, important to note. Uh, you've got uh, Anibal Sanchez going for the the Nationals, former Brave, uh, going for the Nationals. It's his season debut, so he hasn't pitched in the majors. Here in uh, in 2022, so uh, actually I don't think he's pitched in the major since 2020. So uh, that's who you got going on the other side tonight. You got Kyle Wright, ten and four in the first half so far. I, I think the Braves are in a good spot here, as you said, Ben, to turn it around and finish strong. Uh, and again, we'll see what the Mets do at this point. But you can finish strong, finish a game and a half out, two games out, what have you, uh, going into the All Star break. You take that because that's striking distance and a lot of baseball. Is certainly left the Braves thirty and ten in their last forty games. That's the best wow. in baseball. So, for whatever you want to say about what they did with the Mets, at least at this point, I mean that obviously can't continue when you play them again. But you're thirty and ten in your last forty games. There's no been nobody better uh, than you in all of Major League Baseball. So, uh, really off to a uh, a good run there. And you just hope you get a little momentum 
going into the All-Star break. I think last year, uh, Ben, you talk about it, was the, I'm trying to go back and, and remember, was the Jock Peterson move right before or right after the All-Star break? But you got a little boost I think it, I, th- I, th- I think I think jo- I think I think it was right after, like, because we kept because you kept saying what kind of move they're gonna make. Jock Peterson kind of like stirred every kind of like got everything going, and I remember you was like, "Okay, that's a nice pickup." Because what happens is guys have shown flashes on other teams, but like I said, Alexander Thopolis put so much pressure on himself because now everybody expects, "Hey man, who who are we gonna get?" Because they're gonna compare them to Soler sure. and Peterson and Rosario, rightfully so. But Kevin, I mean. We haven't talked about it all year. The trade deadline is coming. I mean, you know, right. I mean that that's do the Braves get a bat, which you'll take it, or do they get or do they get a glove? You know, I I I think it's a I, and by glove, I guess arm piece. Uh, I think it's yeah. uh, uh probably and th- this is where I think they're in an interesting spot because they're winning baseball games right now. And it's all about how do you evaluate how you play against the Mets. You took you only were one or two. Where do you need to improve? Obviously, Marcelo Zuna can DH. I think you're kind of unsettled in left field. You want to get Rosario playing time. You want to get Duvall playing time. Uh, Ozuna can't play out there, but he hits a little bit better uh, as a uh, as a DH. Do you go out and try to just shore that up with one guy and say, hey, if we can trade a couple of pieces and get a left fielder that can just, hey, we don't need to platoon. You're out there. I think that might be be helpful. And then on the on, on the bullpen side, I think you're always looking for guys who can come in and be impactful pieces. I feel like your starting rotation is pretty good. Now, Spencer Strider probably going to need some time off uh, coming down a stretch because he's maxed, you know, he's pitched more than he has, uh, I think, in all of his college or pro career, uh, at least in one season. Uh, is Ian Anderson, is he a guy that in, uh, what, his third or fourth year now that needs maybe a little break to adjust some things uh, because he's been kind of rough the last few times? Maybe the All-Star Cup break coming at a good time uh, for him as well. So do you need a starter? Do you need somebody that can just provide that back in break for a guy like Spencer Strider and extend those guys? Do you need a bullpen piece? Uh, you mentioned rehab stuff. Uh, they announced today that uh, it was, uh, and I just lost his name. I had it written down, uh, started a rehab assignment uh, today that could come in and help the, uh, help the bullpen. I'll get his name coming up here in just a minute, but yeah, I mean, you're going to get some help from guys potentially with injury. No word on Mike Soroka. I, I don't know if they're counting on on that, on him coming back. Um, but you're going to get some help uh, coming up in the second half from guys that are just getting healthy. I mean, can you get Darren O'Day back? He went on the uh, injured list. Is he okay? Will Tyler Matzik kind of return to form, given a little all-star break here? Kirby Yates, that's who I was looking for. Thank you. Uh, Kirby Yates starting a rehab assignment. This is a guy that led the American League in saves a couple of years ago. Uh, and he's going to be a part of kind of the middle of that bullpen. So I, I think you're going to get some help. And this is why I think it's very interesting. I mean, if Alex Anthopoulos does nothing, you're going to get some help back. But I think he's got a move or two out there that he's probably trying to work. He's been a master at this. Been, I, you think about GMs in sports, and, and you almost think of Alex Anthopoulos at, at this point as some kind of wizard where it's like he's just going to make something happen that's going to work, right? We expect his hit rate to be like 1,000, right? Outside of one one move or so, most of what he's done has worked out in the Braves' favor from guys they've traded to guys they've brought in to guys that they've had to plug in and, and play. Most, not all of it, but I would say since he's been a GM of the Braves, he's probably hit, he's probably hit an 80%. 
on on some of the moves he's decided to make in terms of even guys he decided to let go. A lot of people are like, you're going to get rid of, of uh, you know, longer hands in that deal to go to the A's? Or not longer uh Christian Pache. Christian Pache and um, the catcher. Uh, I, I'm getting all my Braves names <laughs> running together <laughs> at this point. It's 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 really crazy. But you give you give up a top flight catcher uh, in that deal. You say was that the right move? And it it, it, it got you Matt Olson. It seems to have worked out. Wilson or William Contreras coming up has worked out uh, as the the backup catcher slash DH for you at times. So you've had some some moves that have met that have worked out. Getting Will Smith, I know it drives people crazy, but you don't win a World Series without Will Smith last year. Uh, so uh, you look at Alex Anthopoulos, and GMs don't normally do the kind of things that he's done uh, because yeah. he's, for the most part, been able to refill the major league roster without totally emptying his top don't-want-to-get-rid-of prospect. You didn't get rid of Michael Harris. Yeah. You didn't have to do that. You didn't get rid of a Spencer Strider. You didn't get rid of... Uh, certain guys that you could have in deals that other teams could have wanted, you made it work uh, with maybe your tier B guys uh, in the minor leagues and have been competitive at the – I mean, GMs don't normally do that. I mean, look at the NFL. Terry Fontenot made a bunch of moves. If he hits on 50% of of the draft and free agency, people will be going, that dude's a genius. right? I mean, and that's just if half of them work out. I mean, Alex Anthopoulos made a lot of moves that have been shrewd. At the time, you say – Eh, I don't know if that's a good. I mean, when you get brought over Jorge Soler, you're like, dude's hitting like I think he was either the low 200s or high 190s with Kansas City. He did not have a great year, and you're going, really? You just traded for a guy that's barely hitting 200, and he comes over and puts forth a month and a half of tremendous baseball. You say thank you very much, and he moves on. Like that's something that you can't just foresee happening, right? You can't just say, oh yeah, we're gonna get a guy that's not really having a great season at all. He's going to be an MVP. In the an MVP. Eddie Rosario did not play until September of last year. MVP of one of the postseasons here. Who does that? Jock Peterson. You get him in a trade. Jock Peterson's a good player. Was he a focal piece on the team that he was with? No. He was kind of stuck. Braves make a move. They get him. And he becomes an MVP of a postseason yeah. series. Like That kind of stuff yeah. just doesn't happen. Uh, in sports, and I think sometimes you look at Alex Anthopoulos and uh, you just expect it to work. And that's why I, I say they go, has he been blessed on the overly pot? Is, is he just some kind of mad scientist back there? Or, like, you know, it's like I, most people just say, look, whatever he wants to do, man, it seems to work. So I'm going to trust him to, to, to go out there and get it done. Well, no, Kevin, I mean, the biggest thing you got to give Alex Anthopoulos the credit for is the, the front office that he took over. I mean, the Braves franchise is always attractive. Their front office was not. So you you look at you look at what he because we haven't even we haven't even talked about that like what he inherited, you know, or lack thereof in the front office. But look, look at look at what has happened with the pitching staff. How many years was Julio Tehran the opening day starter? You just got used to him being the opening day starter. Mike Fotonavich was supposed to be the next big one. It, he both of those guys gone. Ian Anderson up to BJ. He got called up too early. Look at what he's already done. I mean, Max Freed has made you forget all about Mike Soroka because how well he's been pitched. Obviously, you you, you look at you. I mean, uh, Ronald Cooney Jr. is Ronald Cooney Jr. I mean, he's about as good as he can be as good as he wants to be. Alex Anthopoulos is responsible for the greatest Braves infield of all time. You don't got to like it. 
I know it sounds crazy. We just have my uh, stats-wise, what they was able to do. And he's also responsible for not messing up the Freddie Freeman deal. No, he got it right. Freddie Freeman has shown us. Freddie Freeman has gotten rid of his uh, representation. Come to find out the representation didn't even tell him. So, but Matt Olson, solid. Christian Pache, hey, man, outside of you wanting to wear, you know, Andrew Jones jersey, it wasn't much to talk about. He's really, really hit. The, the biggest contract he signed thus far is the biggest of Braves history for one year, and that was Josh Donaldson. That's the most money ever given to one player. He was pretty good for what you saw. I, I, Kevin, when you can survive what happened last year with Marcelo Zuna, when everybody thought he was no longer going to be – forget being a Brave. He wasn't going to play baseball. That's going to – I mean, all you can say with Alex Anthopoulos is this. If he had Yankees money, because he doesn't, by the way, and he's still getting it done. Moneyball people is happening right in our face. Well, and it worked last year, I believe. I, 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 it's a different level. I mean, everybody's doing a yeah, different yeah. level of Moneyball. I like. I, I I look at that, and I, a lot of people think when they see the Braves, they're like, oh, the Braves ownership is cheap. And you basically think they're like a step away from being like the Pirates or Baltimore's. Like, they will not spend any money. That's not true. Are they spending Dodgers, Yankees, Red Sox money? No. They're not, but they're not near the bottom. They're kind of in the upper middle, I would say. I, I want to say they were like 10th in payroll. So they spend money. They just aren't spending it in the obscene, obscene way that L.A. and New York uh, and uh, the, the Mets and Yankees, by the way, are, uh, are are doing it as well. We'll come back. We got more to get to. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. It is three and out on this Thursday. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, thanks for making us a part of your day. Streaming live ESPNCoastal.com on your mobile device with the ESPN app as well as Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. A lot of college football talk upcoming as SEC Media Day is coming up uh, next week. The Big 12, Mike Gundy saying a lot of uh, interesting things uh, about the Big 12. Uh, they're moving forward. We'll hear from Chris Gordy, Locked On SEC Podcast, coming up in hour number two as well but ben let's go to the phones uh quickly we got our good buddy ac joining us ac what's up good afternoon thank you so much for taking my call you know i want to talk about baseball all-star game sure honest that format itself the format for the all-star game absolutely garbage i mean come on now you could do a little bit better than that i mean all-star game it should be for fun you're just relaxing having some fun out there monday night you got home home run derby Tuesday night, you got to play the game. I mean, MLB, you can do better. I think the best record, whoever has the best record, they should get the home field advantage uh, in the World Series. That's, that's the way you should go. I mean, why make everything as a competition? At the end of the day, we all have to have fun. I'm working today, and I'm having fun on air. As we're having fun. I mean, in life, man, you got to have some fun. you got to be serious. Life is short, dude. Come on now. MLB commissioner, you better do something. <laughs> I understand money matters, but come on, dude. What, you don't have fun? Oh, man, you can do a lot better than anyone out there. I'm pretty sure Ben and my brother Kevin, they do way <laughs> better than MLB commissioner and all the commissioners out there. You know, I love you guys, and I'll see you, hopefully, God willing, tomorrow. All right, there you go. AC, appreciate it, folks. I, look, I don't think the, the, the All-Star game doesn't have to mean anything. It is what it is. I don't like the home field advantage. Look, it, it, and this is this goes back to the 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 whole thing of do I'm trying to think, uh, who's the worst team right now in uh, in in the big leagues? I mean the Nationals. So it might be does Juan Soto right now, who's on the last place Nationals, 
give a crap if he helps the, uh, the the Mets or Braves or whoever get home field advantage in the World Series. No, he doesn't. He, he Not at all. Does not care. I mean, does not care whatsoever uh, if that happens. So I, I don't think you uh, you need to make it mean anything uh, if you are uh, MLB. Just go out there and have fun. Showcase the talent. That's what it's about. NFL tries to do that, but then they try to make it a flag football game. Uh, you know, when it comes to that, Kevin, I mean, I will say this. We always talk about all-star games or how certain certain ones, they just got to keep it on. It's basketball. They're not going to play that well to the last four or five minutes, and they're going to beef up on the, on the defense. Football, I don't know what that is. Like, like, I don't know what that is. Like, that's the only all-star. East-West Shrine ain't like that. I mean, uh, Hula Bowl ain't like that. Uh, uh, NFL, PA Bowl, there's nothing like that. Baseball, it's authentic. Like, like in a sense, I don't want to be shown up now because all-star games are bragging right games. Like, we are the best in the biz. Sure. We'll go out there and show off. But I do agree. If I'm on a last-place team, it's not always indicative of the type of player I am individually. It just means that we are not good collectively. You don't, <laughs> remember, you don't believe me? Ask the Angels. But the, Dodgers don't, but, the, the best but, in the game. but the Dodgers don't want Juan Soto determining if they get more games in the American League Park or not. Right? I mean, yeah. that, that's that's great. I will say this. The NBA All-Star game, while they may not play defense in the last few minutes, at least they're showcasing their athletic ability. In, yes. the, in, in the, Where it's like, hey, okay, we're all agreed we're not playing defense, so watch me pull off this 360 windmill dunk from the foul line. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, can, yeah, yeah, can... yeah. Angle, angle, angle. Number one, certain things, Kevin, we shouldn't have to have to, you know, like discuss. Like, there are no hard fouls. If there are fouls, like, for what? Like, if you <laughs> yeah. foul out of an all-star game, you shouldn't be allowed back. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Like, there's a, there's an MVP of the game. Not a defensive MVP. MVP. But the thing about baseball that you can't appreciate is, hey, will it be a little bit more off-speed stuff? Maybe. But if, even if you're a pitcher, you only get, what, so many innings. You're not even going to be out there that long. I'm yeah. going to give you some good stuff, and I'm gone. We Listen, we want to see some Michael Harris you know, type catches. We want to see the long ball. We want to see a nice, you know, a nice, uh, you know, a nice play from a shortstop here or there and have a little fun, man. At the end of the day, you're the best in the big for a reason, but the best spectacle of any all-star is the home run derby because when them light, when them, when them cameras are flashing, I mean, you got to enjoy it. Ronald Cooney Jr., go ahead and add to that resume. Yeah. I think with the Pro Bowl, Ben, to me, it's, uh, you can't showcase the talent when, you're not trying like like football. You have to play to showcase the ability. Like, hey, what yes. makes Tom Brady and Drew Brees and Aaron Rodgers is the fact that they can drive it down the field and put it in a window. Like, yeah. In the Pro Bowl, it's like, man, did you see? Because seventeen quarterbacks backed out, Case Keenum dropped that fifty-yard dime when nobody was covering uh, down the right sideline because they quit running twenty yards down the field. Man, that was unbelievable. No. Like, like, yeah, like, Case, I don't yeah think... Case, Case Keenum just threw a touchdown pass to O'Shaq Hennessy. Because <laughs> don't nobody want to play in it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what are we doing? You know? And the thing is, too, Kevin, at the end of the day, you people say, oh, no, I don't have to play a sport to know what it's supposed to look like. And you know what? They do dodgeball as far as, like, lead, the festivities leading up to the, to the sure. uh, Pro Bowl because they know it's going to be bad. Like, dodge. Oh, my God. Good job. What? Like, come on, man! We played dodgeball when we was kids, man. I think I'd rather That's watch. I think I'd rather watch that than the Pro Bowl. The Pro, the Pro Bowl, the Pro Bowl is a no, no, no. You want no, no, Kevin? You want to make the Pro Bowl good? 
give it to a bunch of guys that are role players that 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 give it to a bunch of role playing guys that don't get a lot of playing time, don't get a lot of notoriety. You don't got the world. They're gonna be out there getting it in because it's better. To, it's, and, and let all the guys that got voted in show up and sign autographs. <laughs> or they, they say, do it or, they, or, they, or they say, "Hey, I'm a pro bowl." Ah. My hamstring no starts to hurt. When I, when I, when I was uh, my freshman year in Florida, we, I mean, we didn't keep doing it. But to the guys, that, I didn't get a lot of burn. I was on the Snickers team. For those of you who don't know what a Snickers <laughs> team is, that means you ain't, you're not, not doing something. Grab a Snickers. <laughs> they, they really had a basket with Snickers in it at one point, too. It was, it was pretty funny. But uh, if you didn't play a lot on Saturday, on Monday, you know, that's that's the first day back really after. They called it Monday Night Football. We'll come out there, man. That's all right. Come on. For, hey, and we, for about – I don't know about maybe two or three series. Oh, we out there getting it in because you know you don't you ain't get a lot of playing time. We got listen. They tell them quarterbacks, listen, y'all got the uh, freshman old line, so you better get the ball out quick because they coming. <laughs> so, hey, but but it but it, it kept it, it kept the camaraderie going and it kind of showed. Hey, man, they're trying to give you you know kind of you know if you if you mess up against the freshman, well, you definitely ain't playing on Saturday. You might have want to show show a little something on Monday, but yeah, but the but. I, Pro Bowl, give it to guys that want to play the game, all right? Because if Tom Brady's out there, you know they can't hit him. Aaron Rodgers, come on, man. Give it to a bunch of receivers. That, that Give it to the third receiver. You know what? Give it to the whole uh, the whole um, Atlanta Falcons receiving core. Not named Kyle Pitts going. You know, you're going to have Drake London. Just let them all go play. All day. You're going to have Brian Ellis. Well, no, I mean, like, I, I think, and obviously I think the, the NFL messed up as well. I mean, one, everybody wants to back out of this thing, but then you moved it to in between the conference championship game and the Super Bowl, yes. knowing that the, the guys in the Super Bowl aren't playing. Like, they're yes. not even going to be there. They're not even going to show up. They're getting ready for the Super Bowl. And so you diminished your own event. It, it didn't mean a lot to begin with. And then you, you know at least, I would say, what, 10 guys between the two teams at minimum probably should, should be Pro Bowls or in the Super Bowl, not even going to be there. And then you're playing glorified two-hand touch. I mean, that's uh, – it is what it is. Football's a tough sport. I get it. You don't want to have an a-, a torn ACL uh, out there playing in Orlando in uh, in January. But you got – I mean, I mean well, I'm just saying – you know what I mean. I mean, Kevin, Kevin, think about that. You grew up watching the NFL in Hawaii. You seen it. You finally make it. Where we going? I mean, we got to go to Hawaii. No, you're going to Orlando. What? In between – and if you're in the Super Bowl – you're not gonna, you know, so somebody goes, no, So go. what if I play for Detroit? Listen, you play for Detroit, you 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 ain't got to worry about you gonna be in the Pro Bowl, you're gonna be fine. You ain't got to worry about being on Super Duel Bowl. But no, Kevin, doing the Super Bowl, doing the doing the All-Star, I mean the uh the Pro Bowl a week before the Super Bowl makes zero sense. Like zero. Like that just means hey man, when when God forbid we have one game after the Super Bowl, God forbid the Super Bowl contenders are, are the champions and the guys they played against don't get to have their moment in the Super Bowl. Come on, man. Nonsense. Yeah, no, look, I, 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 I think it's definitely the worst. I don't agree that the MLB needs to put more on it. I think guys have fun. Oh, I mean, I think the home, the home run derby is just that. Go out there and just hit nukes. I mean, that's, that's, that's all it is. Like, to me, that is fun. It's like, look, it doesn't matter. They, the, the players have fun doing it. Like, yep. even the guys that don't do well, it's like, oh, man, I only hit two. They're like, man, I'm in the home run derby and I only hit two. They kind of laugh about it like, I should have done better than that. But, like, to me, the home run derby is what it is. Just go up there and let it rip. And if you've never, like, swung a bat or tried to go all out, you don't appreciate it because people are like, they're just swinging a bat. Like, these dudes are going all out for, like, two and three minutes straight just trying to hit the ball as far as they can. Like, it, it'll wear you out. 
Uh, yes. if you, and, 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 the, and the better you are at it, the more and the momentum of hitting the home runs kind of keep kind of keep your energy yeah. going. Because because once they start hitting them, Kevin, they go. It's like once they get that rhythm, right, boom, 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 boom. It's like, dude, it's and it's not and just again, that you're hitting them. It's how far can I hit this thing? To get I mean, some, some of those things, some of those things, you'll go, geez, like that. Is that has it landed yet? Nah, dude. Like I hit that. I got under that thing. It should be fun though. I think the home run derby. Shout out to a guy like Ronald Acuna Jr. who be blessing us, not just the, as the leading vote getter, but in that home run yeah, derby. Take at, that, BJ Bennett. Yeah, look at <laughs> looking forward to that coming up on Monday. We'll come back media days next week for the SEC. The Big Twelve media days going on this week. Mike Gundy had a couple interesting things to say, and I want to I want to get to that uh, when we come back because obviously the Big Twelve commissioner yesterday is like, "Hey, we're open for business," i.e., we're looking for more teams. And Mike Gundy had a couple of things to say about that and as it pertains to recruiting and kind of some of the downfalls of expansion. I want to get to that. When we come back, it's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here, three and out on this Thursday. Braves and Nationals coming up later tonight. But we got conference media days have gotten started. The Big 12 going on. They're the first to kind of bust it out here, Ben, as they kind of address all the conference expansion. All the who's leaving, how does it shape the conference, we're open for business, all that kind of stuff as conference expansion is going to continue to talk because whether the SEC says they're good at 16, people are going to keep asking Notre Dame what they want to do, and people are going to look at the Pac-12 and Big 12 and say, you got to at least do something, right? I mean, if you're the Big 12, do you want to add more to go to 16? That'd be four more. If you're the Pac-12 I mean, who do you add at this point to try to get yourself back up there? We'll be interesting uh, to see at the end of the day. But they're going to keep getting asked about this. But the Pac-12 or the Big 12 having their media days. And we talk about expansion, Ben. And Mike Gundy talked uh, was asked about this you know, yesterday. And we asked about this you know, with, with the SEC expansion. He said, what are you willing to give up? And Mike Gundy you know, said this. And I said, what happens to Bedlam when Oklahoma dips? This is what he said. Well, the, the future in Bedlam is uh, is a year or two left. I mean, that's the future of Bedlam um, <clears throat> based on somebody else's decision. Recruiting for us hasn't really changed a lot. You know, it's interesting with, with young people now. Uh, it, I, I'm, I'm not sure. You, you, you might be able to take a poll of the top 250, 300 recruits in the country and ask them if they know for example, you could throw out um, what conference is Purdue in or what conference is um, Wake Forest in. And I would say there's about a 50% chance they might not even know what the conference is. Um, young people live in certain worlds today and um, essentially they want to know what you as a university and athletic department as a football team and a coach can do for them. That's that's what they're interested in. So. Other than that, our recruiting hasn't really changed since those, since the uh, conference realignment. So that's Mike Gundy. A couple of things I wanted to break down there, Ben. First, he said, look, we've got a couple years left of Bedlam. And then he kind of threw that backhanded jab as based on someone else's decision. <laughs> well, whose decision was that, Mike? Oklahoma's. <laughs> so yeah, that's one of the things that's apparently going to go by the wayside. And then, uh, you know, Ben, he, he talked about recruit because I, I think this is, is an interesting – point he made because a lot of people will hear what he said secondly when he was asked about recruiting after that and say come on 
But then it's been my experience that unless you're just completely dialed in as a high school athlete uh, to the college football landscape, and you're just an Uber fan and not on your phone with your friends or when the game's over on Friday night, you go out with your friends. Saturday, you're doing this, you're doing that. It's That's not an absurd comment that, that Mike Gunny said where he said, look, half the guys don't know what conference these schools are in. They just know, hey, I feel like I can get the best opportunity here, and that's where I'm going. SEC, Big 12, they don't care. They, they don't Not that they don't care, they don't know uh, the difference between what conferences they're in. No, he, he makes a really, really good point, but he but he, but but Kevin, but he's also being disingenuous. He used Purdue and wait for <laughs> come on, man. He had to dig deep. You saw what he was doing, right? Whoa, whoa, whoa let me not say nobody who they know. Well, I'm just uh, saying, but, but I mean, I, I, okay, if I'm a recruit, I know who he, Alabama he is, right? No, no, he does make a strong point because Kevin, I will say this though. He said Oklahoma State recruiting hasn't changed. He's not lying. Why? Because you Oklahoma State. The problem is the rest of the Big Twelve. Well, I can't, I can't really speak for them. Why? Because I'm fixing to get ready to be right a headliner. Because when these other two guys leave him, but Mike Gundy, Mike Gundy understand. He, but what he, what he said about they want to see what you're gonna do for him. Absolutely. Like, how can you help me, aka my brand, aka me get to the league or whatever, and with NILs and things of that nature. Mike Gundy did say, I like how he said, you see how he didn't use their names? Or, you know, somebody else decided you know, <laughs> they, you know, they don't want to be here anymore or the decision that they made. But I can guarantee you this. If Oklahoma State was a part of that package, they would be going to the SEC too. See, then sometimes, Kevin, it's, a, it's a, sometimes – because Oklahoma State is a big brand. But, I mean, but that is the byproduct of expansion. We talked about this. Where, where, you know, we talked with SEC folks. He's like, hey, oh, you got to have the Iron Bowl. You got to have, the, like, there's a great in-state rivalry. Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. Doesn't matter if it's in Stillwater or, uh, or Norman. Norman, yeah. It's, it's a huge environment, huge game. Done. Not going to play anymore. Texas is only coming back. But then, Texas A&M and Texas is only coming back. Yeah, because they're coming to the SEC. Otherwise, I mean, that's been pretty much done. So you yeah. get this expansion, you lose some stuff, stuff like that. And you know, I thought Mike Gunning was pretty candid. It's done. We're, you got about two years left. Enjoy it, and we're just not going to play him anymore. Yeah, and 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 Kevin, when we started thinking about what you know in the college football landscape, what is and isn't important. Sometimes it's as simple as can we keep the band together? If we can keep the what, what you mean? Well, they keep the Texas and Oklahoma together. I mean, the Red River rivalry was so big to where, hey, we're gonna bring them over together, and we're gonna and we're gonna do that. We're gonna do it in Big Twelve country. It's just SEC country now. So same game in the same stadium, same venue. We don't got to switch nothing. Oh, we just got to switch the logos. Not no no not not the sooner logo and the Longhorn logo. No, you got to switch the conference logo. Yes, you right there on that field. They got to say SEC. And to me, that's what the SEC is doing. They're taking the biggest brands to add to their already biggest brand out there. You know, uh, so individually, yes, they, they win it on the individual level, on the collective level, on the eye, on the on the eye test level, on the uh on the power level, on the on the perception level, Kevin, and programming. Because once again, once again, what are you gonna watch? The, what are you gonna watch in a couple of years? Oklahoma State versus TCU, that's gonna be a whoop, knockdown draw out. Or it could be. Or Kevin, think about this. Texas versus anybody in the SEC, not named Vanderbilt. Oklahoma <laughs> versus anybody in the SEC, not named. Because think about it. 
Texas, Florida, Texas, Georgia. I don't know. Hey, hey, Ben, I heard a rumor that uh, Vanderbilt's the new Kansas. So, maybe Texas should be. I will say this: What if Vanderbilt do tell? What if Vanderbilt do tell Texas? Hey, Texas, listen, we'll take that from Oklahoma. Y'all are in no position to be talking trash. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because because at the end of the day, at the end of the day, Kevin, it's like Vanderbilt will say, "Hey, oh, that's funny." What if Vanderbilt does upset a Texas? Is that an upset? Once they come to the SEC, we'll see. We, we, we will see. If well, that, Mike, happens, that, that will be hilarious. Texas fans will never hear the end of it for sure. Hey, Mike, Mike Gundy does make a really really good point. He understands that most most players, soon after they don't know about conferences like that, unless they just throw it at you like that. Sure. That's where branding comes in. But Mike Gundy is also being disingenuous because he represents one of those brands that can walk in any young man's living room. It's Oklahoma State Cowboys. All right. Hey, coach. Yeah. Where you coach at? Baylor. Where is that at? Uh, it's in Texas. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, you know what I'm saying? So, he, so, so Kevin, yeah. you know at the end of the day, you know what Oklahoma State has never been, even with the old Big 12 or the, or the new little Big 12? A bottom feeder. They've never, I understand that. And, They've never been there. And Mike Gundy had something else to say because he uh, they were he was asked. I thought this was interesting kind of comment. I guess it's something he had to say. But people asked about the Big Twelve and their future of the Big Twelve, and this is what Mike Gundy had to say. I don't think there's any question as this moves forward that um, the Big Twelve conference is in um, tremendous position. And I said this um, after we acquired the four teams that came in, and I don't need to go through the detail of each one of them. But if you look at the geographical television opportunities that they bring to the table, uh, the number of viewers based on their location, the success they've had in football. Uh, they give us different time zones. They give us success um, and viewership. And, and ultimately, that's what it comes down to. I mean, this is um, a power struggle for um, long-term television money. and. Um, the Big 12 is better off today than it was at this time last year. And as I said earlier, um, I think that we have fantastic leadership. Um, we've got the right people in place. Um, I'm convinced that they'll come up with a plan. Um, and the Big 12 will be here to stay for a long time. Okay, I don't know if he believes that. Yeah, I get it. You added four teams. And you could say, okay, well, at least we added four teams in reaction to pretty quickly. But I, I don't think there, there's a straight – other than you could say, hey, maybe our conference feels solvent for now. I don't think there's – with a straight face, you could say we're in a better shape now than we were when Texas and Oklahoma announced that they were dipping. There, there's no way. There, there's no way you believe that. And then you follow that up and say, I believe they'll come up with a plan. Well, no, you'd be in better shape if they had a plan already in place – to say this now, are they in better shape than the Pac-12? Okay, I'll probably hear that. But Ben, there's no way you believe the conference, the Big 12, just by adding what Houston, Cincinnati, Central Florida, that they're in better shape than they were with Oklahoma and Texas staying in there. My goodness, see, see, <laughs> my goodness, gonna show you. See, see, Kevin once again. But once you have again, to right? say that. I mean, you can't go well, out no, there. He, he did. He did. Well, come on now. Uh, you're losing, you're losing your cash cows. I get it, and and you're and Kevin. This is this is the live tour versus the PGA again. All right, we got the ones taking the money. They going over there. 
I'm 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 sticking I'm sticking with right here. Just think about Mike Gundy though. Mike Gundy better be an Oklahoma State Cowboy head coach for the long haul. Because if he if he if he vote for the SEC, see that's what people don't be thinking is. I get it, man. I got to say the right thing. This is who I represent. This is well. In one breath, you say uh, because of where we get to go as far as like 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 eyes, geographic location. Okay, what? Cincinnati versus Oklahoma, UCF. Man, so, I, I, like I said, he's saying the right things. But in the same breath, hey, man, I trust our plan. Well, you just talked about the plan. You just talked about it. Let's be honest with ourselves. If you could have gotten USC, right, and UCLA, you would have. But you couldn't. Think about that. You couldn't get them. So, Kevin, like at the end of the day, when you represent a brand, when you represent a conference, and right now I'm the big take nothing away from uh Vrenables and uh coach, you know, and obviously, you know, Sarkeesh, they about to leave. I'm the biggest coach they got right now. So now what I say, kind of like I kind of like to let the other coach, this is this is gonna be our talking points today, fellas. Like, let's kind of let's be a unified front. But come on, Mike Gundy. Like, like, <laughs> like, come on, man. Like, you know, because Kevin. You see, this is the thing, right? You've been in media long enough. I always say this. I said, if if a media personality or media journalist, whomever, if they're listening to an answer, yeah, look at their facial expressions. They're telling you what they're like. What? And then it's because, Kevin, when he said, oh, yeah, listen, do I think you get different eyes? Yes. Do I think, you know, the locations? Yes. But we're in better shape now. Yeah. When it has... Listen, um, what kind of shape has Cleveland been in since LeBron left? <laughs> oh, that's right. They out of shape. They got a dad bod. They, they, they don't do anything. <laughs> Stop that, man. My goodness. Because Kevin, at the end of the day, he's just overdoing it. No, yeah. But I thought it was interesting that he made some of those uh, those comments there at Big 12 Media Days. Obviously, I think the conference is in better shape than it than it was if you just say they were out. Hey, Oklahoma, Texas are out. Uh-oh, what's going to happen? Okay, we had a 14. Okay. We're in better shape than just saying we were left with 10 and not knowing what to do. I get that part. But to say you're in better shape, period, I, I don't know about that. Uh, we got more to come. SEC Media Day is waiting in the wings as well. wonder how many times they'll say we're in, we're in great shape. <laughs> we're open for business. Yeah, we SEC, we are open for business. Oh, we're not accepting new customers, but we are open for business. Cha-ching. We got more to come. Three and out. Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back. Here it is, 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Kevin Thomas, Ben Troop, glad you are making us a part of your day. Conference media days uh, going off next week. Big 12 actually going on uh, this week as we kind of get the unofficial start to the college football season. And joining us here on the program, uh, host of the Locked on SEC podcast, Chris Gordy joins us. Chris, welcome. How are you? Hey, doing good, guys. Thanks. Hey, appreciate you coming on. Full, full disclosure, Chris, you live in, in Texas, right? Uh, just wanted to ask you quickly about Big 12 Media Days. Mike Gundy's like, hey, we're in better shape uh, than we were uh, this time a year ago. What do you make of all that's uh, happened at the Big 12 with the we're open for business proclamation and all that's happened there uh, with that conference here the last couple of days? Yeah, I thought, it's, I thought it was interesting. I mean, it seems like the Big 12 might actually be in pretty good shape compared to others like the Pac-12 and uh, maybe the ACC if they end up losing some teams here, you know, jumping ship and all that. Like, the Big 12 has a plan. They've got 
all their other teams remaining, losing Texas and Oklahoma. They're adding pretty four strong teams in Houston, BYU, Cincinnati, and UCF. And, uh, you know, their new commissioner coming over from the Barclays Center in New Jersey coming in and saying, hey, we're, we're open to new ideas. We want to be useful. We want to relate to uh, new age of players and NIL deals and recruits and all this. And, yeah, we're open for business. We're, we'd be looking to add any other programs that would be interested. So I thought it was kind of refreshing where it felt like, you know, the SEC was, was making all the big moves and everybody else was grabbing a life vest just trying to stay afloat. I think the Big 12 is, is in a pretty good spot. I mean, look, they're not going to be on the level of, a, of an SEC or a Big 10 if the Big 10 keeps adding more teams. But I think the Big 12 is in a pretty good spot. But uh, I thought Mike Gunny made a pretty good point, too, kind of saying, like, hey, we're having these meetings and you know, closed-door meetings talking about our future and, and all this with the conference. Texas and Oklahoma, uh, why are you guys still here? I know you're still in the conference, but, like, we're making plans for the future and stuff. You guys don't need to be a part of these conversations. So, it is kind of that awkward one foot in, one foot in, one foot out for uh, Oklahoma and Texas right now. And of course, even, uh, even even dealing with what uh, with what um, you know, Mike Gunny was saying, he was talking about geographic location because that's what a that's what a conference like the Big Twelve is going to be doing, real similar to the Big Ten. Do you think geographic location matters? SEC obviously they they're gonna they're, they're gonna they're gonna stick to their guns, not named until you add Texas, Oklahoma, and you already got Missouri. But do you think? Geographic location has ever mattered when it came to college football? I mean, to me, it should matter. I mean, you know, the whole idea of having a conference is, is having teams that are relatively close by. That's how you create rivalries. I don't know what kind of rivalry you're going to get going from uh, Rutgers in New Jersey out to UCLA, Los Angeles. That'll never be a rivalry in the Big Ten. So um, I, I think ge- geography matters. Look, the, the, the reality is Norman, Oklahoma is not a very far drive west of Fayetteville, Arkansas. Um, it's not a, a crazy drive from College Station out to Austin, Texas. So Texas and Oklahoma are, are still very much in the SEC footprint in terms of you know viability and proximity to all the other schools. What I get out of shape is when I start hearing people saying, well, the SEC should look into Oregon. Why? Like, I get you've got Nike and all the money and all that, just say it makes sense money-wise. I mean, that's really what a lot of these moves are. But I think common sense has to play into this. And ge- geography has to make sense. I mean, I have some buddies who used to work on the equipment truck for LSU. And I'll never forget years ago when LSU went to play a game up in Washington back in the Jake Locker days when Sark was coaching there. I mean, they had to leave on like a Monday afternoon to get out there, get all the equipment and everything packed up and, and have the you know all the, all the shoulder pads and workout equipment and everything out there. Uh, by the time for Saturday's kickoff. So I just can't imagine what they're thinking at Rutgers, you know, and, and all the schools on the East Coast and the Big Ten. Uh, yeah, we're going to have to go play UCLA or USC. Uh, I mean, you're going to have to pack up everything on a Monday and leave and, and, and try to get all the equipment there. It just, to me, that's a big part of this. I know people are like, oh, well, the money won't matter and all this kind of stuff, but all that stuff should matter. Chris Gordy, Locked On SEC Podcast, joining us. And Chris, to, to that end, I uh, saw the Big 12 commissioner yesterday, and, and all the things that they said, uh, someone asked him about Texas and Oklahoma leaving early. He's like, hey, if, if, as long as it makes sense for us, i.e. money, what's the payoff? I mean, what's the, what's the uh, buy-me-out figure uh, to make the Big 12 say maybe those teams leave uh, a little bit earlier? And with USC and UCLA going a year before those two, at least at this point, is there a, a pay-me-off number that the, the Big 12 has in mind that could have Texas and Oklahoma in the SEC sooner rather than later. 
Yeah, I haven't I haven't figured out all the dollars and cents. I know that's all for the lawyers and people to figure out. But in my opinion, I, I've been saying this for the longest. I think 2024 is when uh, is when everything switches. Um, you know, it's not going to be 2025. Uh, I think it's going to make most sense for for Oklahoma and Texas to get out of this thing. And uh, and and look, you know, we already know that Finn uh, and BYU and Cincinnati and UCF are coming over to the Big Twelve next summer. That's already been announced next July. So you know, I think the wheels are in motion here. Nobody wants to wait for 2025. I mean, take Mike Gundy's um, you know quotes yesterday. It's you're already having. Scorn lover syndrome. Like, why is she here? Why is my ex-wife here? You know, that kind of thing. So uh, I would say 2024. I, I'm starting to think 2023 would be a little too hard to make it happen, but I think it's probably best for both sides. The Big 12's got their new teams coming in next year. They'll do one year of Oklahoma and Texas, you know, one more year of Oklahoma and Texas in the Big 12, and then say, all right, let's, uh, let's be done with this couple of days out from the SEC media days is going to take center stage. I mean, the biggest, the biggest names, but the most powerful man in college sports, right? Greg Sank is going to be on that podium. He's going to get drilled. If you're there and you ask him, hey, are you guys sticking with the NCAA if and when this college football playoff expansion does not indeed happen come after 2025? Yeah, I'll be curious to see what Sankey says. I, I, I do appreciate Greg Sankey in one realm that he is very open. Um, you know, he every year at Media Days, he comes around Radio Row. He'll do interviews with every radio station that's there. Uh, he, you know, he speaks on the podium for a long time. He, he, is, he gives as much, as much access as just about any commissioner in any college football league. Now, on the flip side of that, he doesn't say very much. From a standpoint of he's very close to the vest. Um, you know, last year, the, the day the news came out that, you know, Brent Zorneman of the Houston Chronicle report that A&M and Texas were coming to the Big 12, you know, all he kept saying was, I have no comment on that. You know, guys, we're always looking to expand, but uh, I have no comment on that. So, you know, even the day when that news broke, he wasn't, you know, he was still playing it close to the vest. Uh, I'll be curious to see. I mean, you know, he's still a little bit of the old school mindset with a lot of stuff. I know he's made comments in recent years about, you know, hey, these kids already get a scholarship and room and board. Why do they need, you know, why, you know, why do they need to be paid with NIL stuff and all that? So uh, he's a little bit more of the old school thinking, but I'll be curious to see what he has to say about conference expansion more and, uh, and certainly playoff expansion because um, you know, he's kind of made comments here in recent years that were, you know, he thinks four is good because the SEC gets two in. And then he's made other comments saying you know, he'd be open to expansion. So, uh, I'll be curious to see what he has to say this time around, and obviously with Oklahoma and Texas coming, it's going to make it much tip, much uh, more difficult to get into the field. So uh, I would think you know, he might be open to adding more teams. But as far as expansion goes for the conference, I do like uh, some of the reports that have come out this past week that maybe the SEC sits tight at 16 uh, because, you know, look, I think at 16, as the SEC currently constructed with Texas and Oklahoma, you're already the strongest league, and I don't care what the Big Ten does. The Big Ten could go add Clemson and Notre Dame or whoever they want, and the SEC is still going to be the most dominant conference with the teams that they currently have. Chris Gordy, Locked On SEC Podcast. Jordan, who's the, who's the headliner next week at SEC Media Days? Who's the one guy you want to want to hear from uh, there at uh, the SEC Media Days next week? Yeah, I, th- I mean, obviously, Will Anderson and Bryce Young uh, from Alabama. Bryce, obviously, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner, Will Anderson, a lot of people think has a good chance to maybe win the Heisman this year. 
Uh, if he has another crazy sack total with 17 and a half last year, if he gets even close to that this year, I think a lot of people might consider him. Uh, so those are the two guys. And if you look at all the early mock drafts, I mean, it basically it's Will Anderson and Bryce Young going top three in the NFL draft next year. So I think those two guys are kind of your headliners. But I'm excited about a lot of the quarterbacks that are going. I mean, obviously, you know, K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas, Anthony Richardson at Florida, uh, Stetson Bennett at Georgia, and then Will Levis at, at Kentucky, another guy who some of the people have mock drafts going top ten in next year's NFL draft. So I uh, would be curious to see what a lot of the quarterbacks have to say. And then some of the other schools that have quarterback battles still going on. I want to hear from Lane Kiffin and Brian Kelly and uh, you know, Brian Harson on where they are with their quarterback battles because there's some really important jobs up for grabs. And depending on how these things shake out, I really do think that this is going to be a strong year for quarterback play in the SEC. So those are kind of the headliners. And then Tank Bigsby, I think, you know, has a chance to be the best running back in the SEC this year. Uh, Jameer Gibbs at Alabama, I think, will give him a little bit of run for his money. And A-Chain at uh, A&M is going to be really good as well. But uh, excited to see uh, Tank Bigsby there. And, um, yeah, I-, I think this is a really, really good field. Although I do have to admit, when I looked at a couple of the guys who were coming from Missouri, I had to go Google their names because they, they didn't jump off the page of me. But a lot of star power at the SEC Media Days this year. Chris, when you think about the SEC media days, and obviously, I mean, the guys like uh, Billy Napier, Brian Kelly, they've had their introductory press conference in Baton Rouge uh, in Gainesville, but now they get to introduce themselves to the world in a sense. How how much do these type of, uh, you know, platforms and, and venues help guys like Billy Napier and Brian Kelly? Brian Kelly probably a little more than Billy Napier to say, look, this is what you can expect from LSU and Florida football, and, hey, man, this is what you can expect from me as a head coach. Yeah, I would fully expect Brian Kelly to crack a couple jokes because uh, he's he's really like he's all about business. You know, when when you talk to Brian Kelly, he's a very serious guy, but he can make jokes from time to time. I would expect him to crack a joke or two from the get go about mispronouncing family or something like that. Make fun of the, the southern accent thing. Um, but I, I'm also curious to see what Lane Kiffin's going to say about the NIL deal because he's the one you remember a year ago made the headlines when they, you know, somebody brought up Bryce Young making a million-dollar NIL deal. He was kind of like uh, he pulled a Ron Burgundy. He was like, really? Wow, I'm, I'm not even mad. That's impressive. I mean, that was his, his reaction when he found out, you know, Bryce Young was getting a million dollars. So I'll be curious to see what Lane Kiffin says on the NIL stuff and just kind of how they've rebuilt uh, through the portal. But it's a good parallel with Brian Kelly and, and Lane Kiffin this year. Both of these rosters, the LSU and Ole Miss roster, are both going to look completely different from where they were a year ago because both those guys have taken advantage of the transfer portal so much. So a lot of new faces, a lot of guys coming in via the portal, both at Ole Miss and LSU. And, uh, you know, I, I Brian Kelly also in with uh, Billy Napier of Florida, two guys that are coming into this conference. Obviously, Kelly's got a few more skins on the wall, winning, you know, big time at, at Notre Dame. Uh, Billy Napier doing it at Louisiana. But two guys that are coming into the conference, jumping in head first and, uh, you know, expectations, you, you get a pass kind of in year one in the SEC, but you kind of don't, right? Like, if Billy Napier goes 6-6, six and six, the natives in Gainesville aren't going to be very happy about that. With Brian Kelly, you know, I'm hearing some LSU fans saying eight, nine wins this year. So, you know, look, both those guys have big expectations to live up to, but we've learned, you know, the, uh, the NFL has always been the not-for-long league. The SEC is the not-for-long league. You better come in here and, you know, with, by year two, you better start winning as Brian Harson's going to find out this year very quickly. If he doesn't turn this thing around at Auburn, they're going to have him on the hot seat and on the way out. Chris Gordy, Locked On SEC Podcast. Joining us, Chris, finally, you mentioned NIL there with uh, with Lane Kiffin. How much of that, because expansion has kind of taken over, 
uh, the talking points gets brought back up at uh, the SEC media days this week, given that, you know, Saban and Jimbo had their back and forth. You've had coaches come out and say, hey, I just, I need this much. I think uh, Billy Napier said it in Florida, hey, I need, what, 13 million set aside to keep these guys on campus. Keep, keep, like, how much of that do you, when all these coaches claim ignorance and have numbers set aside at the same time, how much of that, he's like, how much do you know about the NL, NIL coach and what's going on in your program? Well, it's a fine line, right? Because we put that stupid rule in there that you can't use NIL as a, uh, you know, as a, as a factor in recruiting. You can't use it as a as a as a, a sweet in the pot on trying to get recruits. But the reality is, and we saw it a few weeks ago with the viral video from A and M, where one of their uh, assistant coaches or grad assistants is giving a tour to recruits and saying, "Hey, look, you see all the sweets up there? You come here; those are the people that'll be, uh, you know, wanting to give you money." And it's like. Well, from one aspect, yeah, is that a violation of this? Can't use it as an inducement, sure. But on the flip side, once you commit to A and M, if there's been no promises made, you're going to get presented with NIL opportunities because they have a hungry fan base with a lot of money that wants to take care of their players and make them happy while they're there. So it's a weird thing where it's like, yes, this is happening, but we can't really admit to it because of this stupid rule they put in it that you can't use it as an as an inducement. It's happening. It's always happened. You guys saw the movie Blue Chips. This has been going on for decades and decades. It's just this, like, don't ask, don't tell kind of thing, and that's why we're going to have to have coaches up there saying, you know, kind of in denial and sidestepping things and going, none of our players get paid to come here. You know, once they get here, then they get NAL opportunities and all this stupid stuff. I just wish some, you know, one coach would be honest. And, and look, I think there's ways to say it. You can get up there and say, look, all I know is this. We have a great fan base that supports us very well a great alumni base that, that makes a lot of money, and they'd love to support our players with great marketing opportunities. I think there's ways to say it without connecting the dots and saying, yeah, we offered this player a big NIL deal, and that's how we got him. Chris Cordy, Locked On SEC Podcast, our guest here on 3 and Out. Chris, appreciate the time. Thanks so much. Absolutely, guys. Thanks, time. Appreciate it. Chris Cordy, joining us here. Going to be a wild time in Atlanta next week at SEC Media Days. Ben, we'll come back. We'll talk more about some of that at SEC Media Days next week when we turn to 3 and Out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Great to be here. SEC Media Day is coming up next week. Uh, ben, as we chatted with uh, Chris Gordy, uh, their last segment going to be going on in Atlanta. He talked about NIL and with as much a deal as has been made about NIL and guaranteed you know, contracts to coaches and things of that nature. We talk about the prayer. I mean, Jimbo Fisher, I was thinking about this, Ben. If he doesn't finish at least second in the West, I'm not saying, I mean, again, I think beating Alabama twice in two years in a row is going to be tough. Beating Alabama, going to Atlanta, uh, even under other circumstances. I mean, last year you beat Alabama, still didn't go. Going to be tough. I mean, if he doesn't, with LSU, new coach, Auburn's kind of in a little bit of turmoil. Sam Pittman's got a good squad. I think new quarterback, obviously, there at uh, at Ole Miss in uh, Jackson Dart. But, I mean, if he doesn't finish second, I mean, is he on the flaming hot seat at the end of the day there at Texas A&M, getting a huge contract, talking about, you know, getting the number one recruiting class, standing up to Nick Saban. We don't buy our players. <clears throat> you know, that kind of stuff. If he doesn't finish second at least, how hot is that seat? Ooh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be smoking hot, Kevin. And I think it might already be. Because the thing about it is, Jimbo Fisher up until now has not lived up to that 10-year, $75 million fully guaranteed contract that he signed coming from coming from Florida State. And I think he's re, I think he's renegotiated since then. That number one recruiting class means that the alumni, that the boosters, you know, the fans, they're doing their part as far as, like, helping you get the number one class. You you tell us this. Now, 
You made a declaration back in 2021 that we're going to kick their you-know-what, and you did it. You beat them. This year, outside of going back and forth with Nick Saban, you ain't saying much about what you're going to do in the field. You just said, hey, man, we got the number one recruiting class. Well, Kevin, at a certain point, you, you talk about it all the time. We can have the segment. Return on investment. What am I getting? Because you said, give you this. One, you started to guarantee contracts with coaches. That got started by you. You left Florida State because they could not pay you the money that you got. Check. You go to Texas A&M. They're the number two team in the country as far as like revenue generating schools right behind Texas. Problem is, Texas ain't been Texas in a long time. Outside of making a bunch of money, they, they don't do much else. Screaming, we back, we're back all the time. <laughs> I think Kevin Gass, they're, they're gonna, he's gonna have to, and not just be second, Kevin, but make it questionable. Like, like not just be second because the rest of the division just had a down year, but be like, hey man, we had a shot to beat Bama, or we had a shot to go to Atlanta because Texas A&M is one of those teams that is good enough. They got the resources, right. they got the coaches, they got the players, they got the infrastructure, they got the money to, to compete for national championships. Now, before you even start talking about that that highest team standing, you gotta beat, you gotta beat, you gotta win the West I mean, and go to Atlanta. I was just say, can we start with Atlanta first? If you're I, mean, I was gonna say and, but but Kevin, but you know this though, right? The highest level of naive fans, whether it's whether it's good, right, wrong, and different, is SEC fans. Because in their mind, we just we're a coach away, got him. We're a quarterback away, got him. We just got to get no more recruiting class. Got them. And Kevin Devonta, we beat Bama last year. Uh-oh. This setting up. You know who beat Bama? They first year as a as a player, that was Bo Nix. What happened after that? What beat him as a true freshman? People think, oh, here comes Auburn. Nope. Auburn has got a new coach, two new coordinators, a coach that they don't really want who's coming back this year. It's a mess. And Bo Nix right is in Oregon. And Bo Nix is yeah, in the Pacific yeah, yeah, yeah. West. <laughs> and so, so I, I do I do agree with you. Jimbo Fisher, right now, Kevin, is a, is a place called Jimbo Steakhouse. And that smell coming from that steakhouse is, woo it is nice. Problem is, they ain't got no steaks for sale. What do you mean? Not yet, we're anyway. Not, we're, not, we're not selling anything. Like, we want to give you that aroma. Problem is, it's right across the street from Saban Steakhouse. And that line is out the dope. Cause they selling steak. I can, cause like you say, all the sizzle right now is going on right in the college station. But you better put something on this plate, cause Kevin, you know, just like I know, I'm not giving you my money. Now they're giving him money for the players. It's cool that you give your money. You a coach? That's you're gonna get yours. Oh, I think he's now definitely elevated you- the status quo with Texas A&M, but you you haven't gone to Atlanta. I think in the West right now, it's you and Ole Miss. That haven't gone to Atlanta to play for the SEC championship. Ole Miss has been in the SEC a lot longer, obviously. And, but I mean, yeah, you 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 have been since you got there. You have upgraded the program. No, there's no question. I think there's no question. However, you still haven't gotten to uh, Atlanta. Even during the saving year, Auburn's figured out how to get there. LSU's yep. figured out how to get there. I mean, again, I'm not yep. saying it's happening every year, but yep. you haven't done it yet. So I think that to me is that before you start talking about, I'm going to bring a national champion now. If you win the SEC national championship, is obviously right there within your grasp. We've seen yep. that. We've seen that from from the conference. But if you're Jimbo Fisher, I think you got to get to Atlanta sooner rather than later. And I don't know when that's going to happen because we heard it a hundred times last year at this exact moment. Ben, we had folks on from the and SEC. You know, and you know what's crazy? If you're going to beat Bama, you better do it now. And only one team did it. 
or two teams did it. Georgia Tech, that's it. And that was in the quote, you better get them now year. Now we're in 2022 when people think they're just going to be loaded to the gills. If you're Jimbo, I think, you, I mean, you got to figure out a way to get to Atlanta. However, whatever it takes at this point. Otherwise, I think that seat's getting turned up. Like, we didn't ask you if it was hard. Yep. We didn't ask you, but, 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 but Nick, nope. You're going back and forth with Nick talking about we got better players than you do. Gotta get Kevin, this, well, and the thing is, too, right, when you think about the West, if you are Brian Kelly, hey, man, they want a natty. Why? Because Coach O, Les, and Nick Saban got us one. You see what's going on in Georgia and Alabama right now. They are the barometers. Think about Billy Napier, right? You know what people ain't telling Billy Napier? You know what the last two coaches did in Florida? They both went to Atlanta. Jim McElwain went to back-to-back gear. Now, the East wasn't what it is now, but he went. He went. And guess what? Dan Mullen went and played Alabama pretty freaking good. So that go to pressure for him. I think so. I think this is the thing. Texas A&M, we never seen y'all in Atlanta. Outside of SCB days, y'all don't come to Atlanta. So I do think, Kevin, when you start thinking about the fact they're going to start saying, hey, who's good enough to go to Atlanta? Texas A&M, right? Yeah. LSU, uh-huh, Auburn, yeah. Alabama, yeah. Well, last time Texas A&M, but they never been. Really? Never. So I do think that the pressure is there. It should be there, Jimbo Fisher. Hey, man, at the end of the day, Kevin, you taking, you cashing them checks. Hey, man, pretty soon, man, you're going to have to open up them doors to uh, to good old, uh, you know, uh, Jimbo Jimbo Steakhouse, man. We're tired of walking around with that smoke coming out that chimney. We're going to have to get some of that. We, hopefully, hey, but, he, but he knows, Kevin, because guess what? He's talking now. You used to just play, don't say nothing. Yeah. You used to talk trash to the fans when he walking out saying so like come in my face with a six nine bodyguard standing in front of him. But now he's saying stuff like, Hey man, no more recruiting class talking about beating Alabama. Kevin, it's time to put up. Cause now Texas AM go, Hey, I don't want to hear no more to talk. I need to see the product. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. And I think that'll be interesting to see if he gets some of that. Questioning at SEC Media Day is coming up next week. We've got more to come here. It's 3 and Out. Hit us up on Twitter at Pigskin Radio. We're streaming live ESPNCoastal.com. Also on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Good to have you back here. It is 3 and Out on this Thursday. Braves and Nationals coming up a little bit later tonight as they begin a four-game series in D.C. ahead of the All-Star break. And now we'll have that for you coming up in just a little bit. As has uh, been college football uh, with media days going on. We'll talk more about that uh, coming up in the final hour of the program. Also, you got the Open Championship. Tiger with a rough go of it. What could be his last Open Championship uh, there? I think at last check, he was plus five on the uh, the front nine today. And uh, obviously, uh, a tough go. So we'll see how he shapes up uh, tomorrow. And when we come back on the flip side, Ben, NFL teams normally don't get to experiment with stuff, but they're doing it. I'll tell you about some of those coming up next hour. I think you've seen some of them. Don't let, we won't let the cat don't, don't let the out cat. of the bag, if, as it were. We'll see. Tiger Woods, hey, man. We all, we, twice the time is undefeated. So that's all I got to say. <laughs> we got, hey, look. It's Tiger, rough, Tyler, it's Tiger Woods. Saying? Look, I'm saying, I know everybody wants to see Tiger do well, but it's like, it's one of those things where, do you want to watch Tiger, but you don't want to watch Tiger when he's out there looking like the the 200th guy out there? Tiger. You know, people will say that. It's like, hey, I, I like Tom Brady, but I don't want to see Tom Brady out there looking like Case Keenum. Yeah, man, that's like, Sabertooth you know? out there. That, that ain't Tiger Wood. That's Sabertooth. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I owe Christian go care. We remember when yeah. Christian ain't talked to us about Tiger since that no. Masters. Like, it's, I, I ain't going to say nothing else. Sabretooth doesn't wear red on Sundays because he, <laughs> he doesn't make it to Sunday. Sorry, I apologize, Tiger. Tiger, that was out of line. I'm sorry. <laughs> we'll come back on that. I, I'm sorry. We'll come back. It's three and out. Final hour around the corner. Lead you up to Braves and Nationals all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Good to have you back here. Three and out on this Thursday. He has been Troop. I am Kevin Thomas. Glad you are with us. Braves and Nationals coming up. We'll have coverage for you starting at 550 as the final four games before the All-Star break are upon us. So uh, we'll have that. It'll be Charlie Morton against Former Brave, Anibal Sanchez, uh, who's making his season debut there for the Washington Nationals. So we'll get to that coming up in just a little bit. Also, a big week upcoming in Atlanta for the SEC Media Days next week. We'll get to that as well. But, Ben, you're obviously a former NFL guy. NFL uh, letting teams get a little more creative. I know sometimes they get stodgy. He's like, you're wearing different socks. We're going to find you ten grand because you're not looking right. Don't change anything on the uniform. You only have one stripe on the sleeve. You need to have two. But apparently th- this year, a bunch of teams going with alternates. The Bengals teasing, saying, hey, we're going with the white Bengal Tiger unis. I don't know if that's going to be all white all the way down, but the helmet, traditionally Ooh. orange with the stripes, going to be white Bengal Silky. Tiger. You like it? Silky. Oh, I, I just, I just See, saw. It looks kind of uh, weird. I get, I guess it's a little different thing. It just looks weird I for mean, Cincinnati. Because Kevin, this, this is what I'm saying. As long as look, the the white when they when they're doing it with the full unit, that's nice. Like that's because they're not trying to do too much. Like they're not trying to like Kevin. You're not trying to have 13 to like, shades of blue like your Tennessee Titans. Yeah, yeah, two, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout out to the two tone blue, uh, that two tone blue up there. But it's the thing. But 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 that but that's the difference, right? Like like the Bengals. Are one of the you know one of the core teams when you think about you know OUSFL AF you know all, all that kind of stuff. The thing about the Titans is the the Titans are real similar to the Texans. The Titans are where listen the Titans come out with a powder blue helmet, a, a dark blue helmet, a light blue helmet, a white helmet. They can't make up their mind. They 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 really really can't make up their mind. But the Bengals doing the white helmets are nice. Like when it, when they say things like the take the Texans gonna break out a red helmet. Who cares? Who cares what color helmet? No, I've, I've seen it, that one actually looks okay. I think they should just stick with that. Now the Falcons going with the red helmet, you know, Kevin. I mean, okay, but but this is the thing, Kevin. This will bother me about going back to the red helmets. If you stink, it doesn't matter that you're going to a nice helmet. Let's call it what it is. Like you're gonna go to that stuff. The paint, uh, Kevin. I think I, it's just I, for I, all I, these. Are, I think just for one game. But I mean, I think you should make a regular thing of some of these. Why not? You should because because I I think some like this you know what this is uh you know what this is uh defiant to the color rush remember the color rush here Kevin remember on Thursday night we all had yeah I could do without that those yeah that, that monstrosity of the Smurfs aka the Titans <laughs> versus the versus the Mustards aka the Jets that was awful better laugh if I got to watch it so yeah I so yes I do think some of these things like the Browns with a white helmet if they got the Sean Watson it matters if they don't who cares. But I think the Bengals with the white helmet is going to be nice. Uh, what the Saints going? What the Saints going with? Like a, with a with a with a black helmet, something like that. I mean, I like it, Kevin, because like I said, 
We got every team in the NFL, just like in the MLB, just like in the NBA, just like in the NHL. Most of them are just fillers; they're not headliners. So just give us something to look forward to. With the, with the, I mean, the red helmets with the with the Falcons and the white helmets and the with the Browns and Cincinnati. You t- you talk about the Patriots going back. You know what I'm saying? Uh, with, with the Saints going back to black helmets. So I like it. I like it. It, it just gives us. And again, again, these are just one game things. So yeah, they're not. You know the. the uh, the National Football League, we're not really talking about them, you know, because you know what's getting dominated by them? College football, media days, college football is among us. Like I said, Kevin, I don't know. What if they let a they let they let prime college football games be played on a Sunday versus NFL? Oh, they're not finna mess up the money like that, are they? No, 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 no. Come on. No. But I did see this. I got I got because I asked PJ and Christian about this right after second down uh was over. And apparently this is I, I I thought it was just fans talking, but I did see a few blue check marks and guys who were writing. Apparently, the Browns are at least teasing the idea that they're going to do a white helmet. And I'm like, but but you're the Browns. Your helmet's already your helmet is already not brown, and you're going to wear a white helmet for for what exactly? I, I like there's certain teams that I look. There's certain teams I get it. Even in the NFL. As you said, you're the Titans. You don't have enough tradition to be saying, I'm all stodgy about my uniform, right? Like, hey, you are the Houston Texans. The last thing anybody cares about is if you are, quote, non-traditional. You know who does get get to say that? The Raiders. The Packers. They get to tell the NFL, we're not wearing a black helmet, NFL. We're not doing that stuff. We are the Raiders. Silver and black. And you said it right. It is silver and black people, not the other way around. I get it, but but look, like certain teams, you get to do this. Like you're the Cleveland Browns. You've been around, even in the second iteration, you've been around for a while. Why? What? What's the deal with the white helmet? Just don't even do it. How about we, you know, win some games, and then we can start going a little bit crazy. But I, I saw that, and somebody did a mock. I'm like, it just doesn't look right. You're the only team in the NFL. With no logo on your helmet. You're the Browns and you wear orange and white. And now you want a white helmet. I, 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 like nothing about Cleveland makes sense. Nothing. Like, give me the old school. Like, now I saw, I did see some concept art of the Browns with a brown helmet and the orange stripe. And I'm like, all right, I could dig that. Right. I could, I like, I, I actually am one of the few people that like the orange with the brown look that the Browns have. Like, I just, I, I, like, I, like, I, just, I like the orange with the brown. I like it. Like, I just think, I don't know why. I just, I know a lot of people think they're gross, but I mean, you know, everybody else is kind of the same, orange and brown. It's not really something that goes together a lot, so I, I dig it. It's not something but, you're gonna see a whole lot either. You're not gonna see orange and brown, <laughs> you know, unless you unless it's like Halloween or something, you know, like decorative stuff. What? Like <laughs> not or Thanksgiving. Like, what? Yeah, that's like, true. You know, you know, I mean no no one has ever it's said, the colors of fall. Let me get the chocolate brown suit with the with the with the with the, with the uh, jack o' lantern orange tie. No one's gonna say that. But they should. Yes, Kevin. This is the thing, right? To the little tri- listen, the Browns, leave it alone. Like you're gonna look ridiculous with a white helmet for what? Like, no, I get it. I, I, I just think there's some teams that to me don't don't try to do too much. I know everybody wants to get a new look and a fresh look, but to me, like when the Green Bay Packers did their weird stuff, it just looked ridiculous. Like, don't yeah. don't mess with it. It's already good. You don't need to mess with it. The Pittsburgh Steelers. 
when they come out there looking uh, uh, with, with the orange and uh, or the yellow and black stripes. Yeah, yeah, what they look like bumblebees. The bumblebee in for what? Don't, you're trying too hard, Pittsburgh. Like, don't do it. You don't gotta do it. I don't care if like, they are. The, 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 listen, the mere fact that the Buffalo Bills color rush was a all white uniform. You look like the Giants. Your <laughs> color rush should have I don't know color in it. But anyway, yes, when it comes to certain teams, Green Bay, leave it alone. Like, if if um if uh San Francisco was wearing all white, they got their like I call them um I call them their candy cane uniform, like the white the, the white with the red numbers, and they want to do a white helmet for that game. That's fine. But the Browns, your helmet should never change colors, right? Never. People talking about the Houston Texans gonna come out with the red helmet. Does it matter? I mean, the Houston Texans, they were all red, all blue, all white. They, they wear a different color every year. You know why? Because it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what the Houston Texans wear. But Kevin's favorite uniform is plain Jane. It's the Colts. Keep it simple. No, I do love the Colts. I don't know why, like, I don't know why you hate the Colts. I don't, I don't hate the Colts. I'm just that Kevin goes, don't give me all this color crap. The white, the white helmet with the – Give me a white the... uniform with blue numbers, white socks. It looks good. Looks good. Like I'm telling you, like back when the day before, before Ben killed it, the college football game, I enjoyed playing with Kentucky because they had the blue with the white helmets, the blue UK on it. It looked nice. And then Simpl- Ben need, Simpl- then Simpl- Ben needed fifty dollars, and the whole game went away. Simplicity goes a long way, people. I'm but Ben, you. but Ben, redemption is but a year away because in July next year we should have a new college football video game. So. And I'm only getting this, and I'm only getting one for the whole office, and I'm gonna give it to Kevin. It's gonna be at Kevin's house. I'm not getting everybody to my hey, yeah, man, make mine out too. Uh, that's uh, well, yeah, but hell no. I'm gonna give it to Kevin, and then it's gonna go to Kevin's house. There you go. <laughs> and no. Go over there, and, and this is, and Kevin goes, if I'm not home, don't knock on my door. Even you know, if I am I, at home, don't knock, don't knock on my door. <laughs> Kevin, what? Who is this? Are you home? Yes. Can I come in? No. All right. See you tomorrow. All right. Kevin is not here. Sounds an awful lot like he's not here. He's, Listen, he's, I went to Kevin's house and Kevin got this thing that'll that'll talk to you on the other side. Yeah, that's called him. What? <laughs> yeah, that's called him. Sounds he's just like him. It's unbelievable. Technology today, but no, Kevin I, has a clone. Yeah, yeah, yeah I thought I it was. I just thought it was interesting that normally the NFL is pretty. Uh, you know. Don't want to get too far out there. And now you've oh, got yeah. what half the teams, Bengals with white helmets, Falcons. I mean, that's kind of a throwback for them. But the Saints going with a black helmet that they've never worn for one game this year. Texans with the red. I mean, so letting teams change it up. Why not? Yeah. Why not? Right, I think as long as you wear like, the I traditional mean, look Bengals, enough. Bengals do look the best, though. I, I just seen Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow wearing that all white. It did look pretty smooth with the, with the, with the, with the little Bengal stripes. Yeah. I don't mind like I don't mind changing it up as long as you wear the traditional enough. Yeah. And you don't come out like, there looking like, like a different like, team. Don't be like uh what's it? Don't be like Oregon. Finally make it to the national championship and wear no color that has anything to do with your school. Or yeah, or, or like Georgia's done a few times. Like when they played Florida and you're like, that doesn't even look like them. Like with the black helmet with the red face back, you're like, Oh yeah, they, they try they try to do If I much. have to I do it, if I have to do a double take. To guess who you are, then you're doing too much. You're, yes. do, you're doing too much. Should like should, should they, should they, when uh, when Oklahoma do they like ain't it like a it's like a cream and like a garnet like uniform? Do you don't got to do yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. It looks like when, uh, when Notre Dame do they look when Notre Dame do they look green jersey? Yeah, see Notre Dame that. don't do that at all. Just just wear what you wear. You're Notre Dame. 
Much like the Yankees. You don't celebrate league championship. You don't celebrate winning the wild card. Notre Dame, you don't need to put green jerseys on. Like, you're, you're Notre Dame. Don't do it. Don't do it. Notre Dame was popping bottles when they got right. that playing game. Hey, we're moving on. You're the Yankees. I ain't want to wear a series since 2009, just, just so y'all know. They're, they're, yeah. Stop celebrating the wild cards. You're the Yankees. You know who celebrates winning the wild cards? The, the, the Baltimore Orioles. The Texas Rangers. The Anaheim Angels, those are the teams that get to do that kind of stuff because they never go. You're the the Yankees. We'll come back. We got more. We're talking SEC football on the flip side. It's three and out on the Southern Pigskin Radio Network. Oh, man, great to be here on this Thursday. Braves and Nats coming up in just a, a little bit. We'll have full coverage for you as they try to finish the first half on a positive note over these next four days. Tough ones with the Mets, but... If you can beat up on the last place at Nationals next four days, maybe a chance to be a game and a half or two games out here at uh, the All-Star break. Put you in good shape uh, for the home stretch. But, Ben, SEC Media Days next week. We've talked a lot about Kirby and Nick and NIL and all that. Or, or, Jimbo and Nick, excuse me. But what about Kirby Smart? Can you pull off a repeat? Because Kirby has, I think, obviously went out to change the narrative at Georgia, which he did. He said, I'm going to be, I'm taking what I learned from Nick Saban at Alabama and I'm going to put it in to practice at Georgia. I know when he first said that, people were like, why do we want to be like, I I know they went, but why can't we just be Georgia? And we went like, but he did what needed to be done. It's like, I'm going to run Georgia like Alabama and look where it got him. I got him a national championship. Now he's in that next level of coaches who have a national championship. And uh, Ben, you and I talk about this all the time with, you know, Les Miles and, you know, Urban Meyer and guys like that moving on from the coaching profession, uh, at least at this point, you've only got like five guys that have a national championship. You got Nick Saban, you got Jimbo Fisher, you got Dabo, you got Kirby, and then people forget about Mac Brown over there at, at North Carolina. Outside of that, unless I'm forgetting one, that's, that's, that's the list. That's the whole list in college football right now. So you are in an exclusive club. Can you get the dogs uh, there to repeat or at least into the playoffs? Because I know he lost a lot to the National Football League, and we say it all the time. Nick Saban makes makes it look easy, and what he's doing is just ridiculously stupid. Like, it doesn't even make sense. Can Kirby get his team back into the National Championship game in back-to-back seasons? I'm going to say no, not because I don't think he doesn't have the infrastructure, the players, coaches, uh, and scheme, Kevin, it's just hard to do, right? It's just extremely hard to do it. Look at what it took for him to just win the national championship. I mean, you had to go up against the same team that beat you the first time around in the SEC championship to then come back. You had to go against those guys again in the national championship. But, you know, and having two of your receivers down, Devin does help. That's the minute became a legend. That defense was legendary. But old St. Nick don't lose often. When I say say, I'm talking about Nick Saban. You got, not arguably, you got the two best players returning in football on offensive defense, Bryce Young, Will Anderson. So I saw, I saw, I saw, so I saw thinking, so I saw thinking about when you start thinking about how, how good of a, how good of a, how good of a team Georgia can be, I think they're going to be really, really good. I, oh, oh. <laughs> they got a hot okay. take, Ben? Yeah, we got a hot take right okay. here. So, hold on, hold on. So, so basically, <laughs> this, this, this is Deuce, by the way. So, okay. basically, but basically what, but basically what it is though, Kevin, you know, just like I know when it comes to a guy like Kirby Smart is, you know they're going to be well coached. You know they're going to be 
a team that's going to go out there and compete week in and week out. The problem is can, you're not you're not necessarily competing against the teams of your division. Can you beat Alabama on a neutral field? Can you beat the Ohio State on a neutral field? Because can you beat the Clemson if they have a resurgence? And to me, that's why I think they're not going to win it two years in a row, not because they don't meet the infrastructure. I mean, Kevin, the Clemson runs, right? That a guy like a guy like Deshaun Watson had to play Alabama twice in the national champ, twice, and outplayed them and only won one. Yeah. Trevor Lawrence only won one against Alabama, right? And then once again, it's like Alabama is that barometer. And I don't think it's nobody outside of Alabama, but Ohio State meets the talent threshold. And I, I think that a team like Clemson, if they can have a resurgence, but can he do it? Yes. Will he do it? No. Because while he's done what, while he's learned from the master in, in Nick Saban did two things in 2021 that will not happen in 2022. He lost to two of his assistants too. He lost to Jimbo and he lost to Kirby. That's not happening. So I, I see, I see Georgia still being the top dog, no pun intended in the East, but Back to back, Kevin. You know how extremely difficult that is. Yeah. Nick Saban, I think, has done it once, but it's extremely to get back to the top of that mountain well, two years. Ago. You got to play, and I think Georgia did this last year. Uh, and Ben, we don't normally say that about a lot of teams, but you have to play to that level every week, right? You have to be that team every week as the defending national champion. I don't care if you're playing Vanderbilt, Tennessee. Uh, you know, maybe you have to play to that level. Why? Because you're going to get everybody's best shot. And I know Vanderbilt's best shot is not the same no. as Alabama. But no. But if you're Tennessee, no. here's the difference. If you're Tennessee, you're going to get their best shot. But they yeah. also, in the back of their mind, think they can compete with you. Yeah. Florida, maybe that's part of the Billy Napier, you know, job as a head coach. But Florida thinks thinks they can compete. And it's Georgia yeah. and, and Florida, and that's a, a huge game. So you're going to get the best get every single week and you got to play yeah. to that level. I think last yeah. year uh Ben we saw Georgia do something that I don't even know that the Clemson teams did even some of the great Alabama teams did. And that's for 15 weeks they played at a extremely high level. You can say well what about the SEC championship? I mean, I think they just got beat. They played at an extremely high level I thought uh, in the SEC championship game. They just got beat. Sometimes that happens. And I think that's what you're talking about, uh, Ben, that, look, it's hard to just roll everybody. But I think last yeah. year for 15 weeks, Georgia played at an extremely high championship. Yeah. They didn't have one of those games where, uh, even with Clemson or, or Nick Saban, Alabama, where you go, dang, man, they played Vanderbilt, and it was 28-10. to 10. Yeah, they won by 18 points, but it was like, it was a sloppy effort, and they just got, didn't have that. They kicked Vanderbilt in the teeth. They kicked, I mean, again, Florida gave them a game for about a, a quarter and a, and a half, and then Georgia beat the brakes off of them. They didn't have they did not have a game where you said, "Boy, they just played like garbage this week." They brought cha- pressure is a privilege. Played a championship. I think Kirby got his team to do that for fifteen games last week or last year. And I again, that is hard to do. I heard Christian and PJ talking about this. Hey, they kind of got disappointed with the Braves yesterday. They got down early, maybe hung their head kind of just gave up and let it go. I mean, baseball guys will tell you, it's hard to bring it 162 days a year at your at your peak. Georgia, I thought, brought it peak level 15 weeks. I mean, name, name a game where you're like, they they brought their C effort and, and still got it done. No, I think they brought their A effort a lot. That's why Stetson and all them were, were out of the game at halftime. 
uh, a lot. And you, even with the Alabama runs, Clemson would have their traditional game with Syracuse. Now it's coming down to the fourth quarter. It's mm-hmm. getting hairy. Mm-hmm. They didn't have any of those games. Not no. in the regular season. Uh, they put, last I mean, year. They put, I mean, how, I mean, what, they had four or five shutouts last year? No. Kevin, this is the thing, right? Every single national championship team, you can go back 10 years, 15 years. Look at the talent level on all those teams. Every last one of them. I don't care if it's an Alabama team. I don't care if it's Auburn. I don't care if it's LSU, Georgia, Florida, whomever, Ohio State. These teams were incredible. And a lot of things got to go your way. Like, I know you had an incredible season. And I, listen, and I am not taking nothing away from Georgia's national championship. Both of the starting receivers from Alabama goes down. That helps, right? That's like going to a game with Brock Bowers for a guy like Stetson Bennett. So, yes, Kevin, 2021 Georgia was incredible. But the thing about it is, is if Georgia got better, don't you think Alabama got better? Don't you think Ohio State got better? Sure, don't you think- for sure. So the teams that are good enough to beat you, that meet the talent threshold, they got better. Alabama, the two best players in the country are coming back. Georgia has a lot of their players coming back. <clears throat> but Nicobe Dean, gone. Jordan Davis, gone. Javon Walker, gone. Five guys on defense, ballers, gone. Now, you're going to be able to replace them, but we're talking about that level of production. And like I say, Kevin, at the end of the day, Georgia's one of those teams. I mean, Kirby Smart is under a lot of scrutiny because now, Kevin, uh uh-oh, he finally slayed the dragon. You won it. Now, Georgia fans can be like, all right, now now let's do what Alabama's doing. Whoa, 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 whoa. Like, pump your brakes. We two years removed from Patrick Mahomes playing in the Super Bowl, and, and everybody was saying that Patrick Mahomes beats Tom Brady. Has he submitted? Has, has he? Has he? Uh, has he jumped over him and say he's the go? Hell no! What? What, <laughs> what do we come? On. We need to stop this. Like we really do. Nick Saban is the goat. No, it, it, and it's gonna be hard to see me and him for what he's already done. But I just think Kevin, for a guy like Kirby Smart, he learned from the best. He wanted to play against him, and he got it done. Now, he ran the gauntlet like everybody did. Dabo had to run it. Coach O had to run it. Urban Meyer had to run it. You know what everybody got in common? Some kind of way, you got to deal with Nick. Either in the college football playoff or the national championship or the NC championship. So if you can't beat those boys with Tuscaloosa, it don't matter. You go all the way back to when Urban Meyer had to win his national championships in Florida, who he had to beat? Alabama. It's been going back that long. So I think Kirby can do it, but Kevin... We we that defense was historic last year. They're gonna be good this year, but I don't I don't see them being able to do that what they what they did last year. And again, that's a hard thing to do, as you said, bring that level every single day when everybody's been telling you how good you are. And hey, you there's nobody's gonna touch you till you get to the playoffs. Well, I mean, that's I know Kirby can be in there saying, guys, you can't think that way, but everybody they run across is gonna be like, Oh, y'all are about to win, y'all are about to beat Oregon by 20, right? I mean, that's what you that's what you're gonna hear. Uh, so I thought he did a tremendous job of uh, of doing that. Can he pull off uh, that for two years in a row? Uh, we'll have to wait and see. Ben, uh, one other thing I want to ask you, who do you think is positioned for a big surprise? I think l- last year it was Tennessee. I think people kind of – some people foresaw that happening. A lot of people were skeptical and said, can you do hurry up and have it work? Because if it doesn't, you're going to be bad, right? You're going to be bad. Your defense is not good. But Tennessee fought through, I, I think, had a tremendous season. Is there a a team that you think is kind of quietly poised to have a really good season? I, again, not saying they're going to contend, 
but kind of pull that Tennessee, that Arkansas uh, out of a hat where you go, man, I thought they'd be better, but they were really good. Uh, Kentucky. Because, because because the thing about it is, Kevin, isn't it crazy? Every year, right? We talk about the same team, right? Sure. Tennessee's making a resurgence. What is Florida going to do? Georgia's the top dog. You go over to the West. Oh, it's Alabama. Oh, how is LSU going to do? Can Texas A&M kind of show and prove? And, uh, and uh, you know, and, and uh, you know what can the Ole Miss do? Well, you know what Kentucky does? They compete. See, they compete the way only Kentucky can, though. They're not competing to win the East because they can't beat Georgia. But now they're saying, all right. Because now we got a running game and a passing game, right? Like, I'm, and, and, and I think sometimes, Kevin, when you talk about Mark Stoops, he's never going to get, he's never going to get, you know, uh, the love that he should, the appreciation that he should, because they're going to say, oh, it's just an outlier. Mm-mm, mm-mm. See, you already knew that Kentucky was going to do two things, run the football, play good defense. Now they can throw the football with a guy like Will Levis. So I think that Kentucky is poised. But, 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 if, and this is a strong if, if Spencer Rattler is who we, we think he can be, if he is who we think he can be, Sakalana can be good, Kevin, because I, I just I just know that you know, Kevin, when it comes to baseball, you need starting pitching. BJ has won me over. Okay, you need starting pitching. In football, to win and win consistently, you got to have really, really good quarterback play. That's even if you got a really, really good run game. You need good quarterback play. So if if Spencer Rattler can be who we think he can be and bring his talent to the SEC East and not run away from the competition and really be able to go out there and show what he wasn't able to do with a team with a coach like like with Coach Beamer's offense, I think they could be dangerous, Kevin, because you know, just like Auburn, hey, when there is no expectation, we can go out there and ball. Ain't no expectation for us. South Carolina is picked to be okay. They ain't looking to be world beaters. But if Spencer Rattler could be as good as advertised, they got a shot to go out there. Once again, I'm not talking about beating Georgia. That is not what I'm talking about. I'm saying everybody else. Spencer Rattler get to come to the swamp, right? South Carolina beat the brakes out Florida. It, it, that was not a game with no Spencer Rattler. Because, Kevin, that's what it's going to be about this year. If, if, if Beamer Ball didn't care about quarterback play, what are you getting Spencer Rattler for? He wants some of that quarterback action. He sees what a quarterback does. See what he does with Tennessee? You look at what Stetson doing. Obviously, Bryce Young is a Heisman Trophy, you know, uh, you know, winner last year. He wants some of that. And let's see, because last year he had a freaking coach playing quarterback, <laughs> right? I want to see what a quarterback could do playing quarterback. But give me Kentucky one and a South Carolina a very, very close two. It is three and out on this Thursday all across the Southern Pigskin Radio Network.